Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some ribbon. And he got it! Young Ball continues to wear him up! Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Doing well, man. Uh, just uh, excited for Cavs camp to get started. It feels like the season is actually beginning, which felt impossible three months ago. And <laughs> it's fun. We're going to have Cavs to talk about. Dude, training camp has started today, and there's one question on everybody's mind. And do you know what that question is, Carter? Is Russell Westbrook going to be the best Cavalier of all time? No, 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 you idiot. You look at you. Your 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 mind's not in the right place. You're you're not in uh regular season shape just yet. It's whether or not Thon Maker is gonna make the roster. Do you got oh, strong yeah, that, takes that, on Thon Maker, Carter? That happened prior to uh, post our last podcast, I believe. I think I I think I'd forgotten about that altogether. I, I think it's I don't very much any, possible. <laughs> I don't have any strong takes on Thon Maker. No, I do not. I am glad that I will have a camp invite that I've heard of. That's always helpful. <laughs> and that, you know, that's someone who could maybe make the roster if things break right, if transactions happen. And a stretch five makes a lot of sense, even though Thon Maker is more of a theoretical stretch five than an actual <laughs> one. Yeah, a lot of what he takes brings to the table is theoretical, which you know what, that's fine. Normally, that's my sweet spot. Like, I'm I'm very self aware. I know what I am, and I love to operate in the realm of the hypothetical. Um, right now, the, the Cavs roster, um, assuming that uh, Dean Wade gets guaranteed, brings them to 14. So Thon Maker would potentially be that 15th man. I, I think they might end up cutting him uh, to maintain the flexibility or or maybe we see kind of like what we saw with McKinney where it's a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, they keep playing around with the contracts to maintain flexibility in case if they do end up making a trade. But I, I got to admit, man, the three-man center rotation of Andre Drummond, JaVale McGee, and Thon Maker might be one of the weirdest trios of all time. And I, I love it. Like there, there's something about it that just kind of warms my heart. Well, you know, it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly what it is. I don't, I don't have much to say on it, honestly. It, you I know don't what? expect Thon Maker to make, play any minutes for this team unless 
the team has gone in a direction that requires Don Maker to play minutes for this team. Mm-hmm. And that means that Andre Drummond got traded. So I think that's probably fine too. I don't know. It's weird times. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to start in that space because I, I like changing things up. I like catching people off uh, off their toes. And I, I think I succeed in doing that there because the obvious place to start, especially when we're talking about my interests, is Larry Nance Jr. and J.B. Bickerstaff saying the thing. They said the thing, Carter that Darius Garland was by far the best player in Cavs minicamp, the most impressive player. They talked about his impact on both ends. And we've talked about Garland. Obviously, this is a massive season for him. But if he's legitimately good, I don't think there's any chance he's going to be the best player on the team. I don't think he's going to be better than Colin Sexton this year. But if he's legitimately good and starts getting into those kind of conversations – that changes the outlook of this team more than just about anything, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I is, is it just me that cares more that Larry Nance said it, not just a member of the organization and front office? Yes, yes, 100%. Because we, we did see the Brandon Knight looks impressive quote out of training camp last year. And we, we all know... Oh boy, wh- did he, though. Yeah, did, did he ever? I mean, nobody expected him to bring to the table what he brought to the table, and it was great to see. Um, but you're, you're right. I, I do think Larry Nance uh, saying it does bring some validity to it. Um, he, he's a credible guy. Like, there, there's no real incentive for him to offer that up um, w- without it being true. And I think it's reasonable to kind of expect a major leap. Like that that's what we were hoping for, right? Is there was very valid reasons for him to have struggled last year. He was essentially a high school kid that had no real time to prep for the NBA, was injured, didn't have a summer league, didn't have a lot of preseason or training camp because he wasn't fully healthy, uh, which is kind of a similar situation to a lot of the rookies coming into this year. Um, but there needed to be a noticeable leap from Garland from basically day one for us to not kind of start to carry over some real concerns that popped up last season. Yeah. I I think that the ceiling was in question right after last year and more than raising his floor. I'm actually much more interested in seeing Garland raise his ceiling, having those explosive dominant cut type Mm. of games that, we just kind of kept waiting for like even the game that we loved last year, like the Denver game, which I think was far and away his best game of last season. It's still like 18 and six. It was, it was him succeeding at the little stuff and being a floor raising point guard in that DJ Augustine mold that, mm-hmm. you know, sounds like an insult, but when you look at DJ Augustine's career, isn't necessarily one. I mean, it's not what you wanted the fifth pick, but you know, he was showing those competent signs of point guard play, but what changes this team's trajectory is him looking like a, you know, a fringe all-star or someone who can turn into an all-star. And it sure seems like that's what it's looking like, at, at least from the mini camp. He definitely clearly impressed both players and coaches. I think he changed, it changes a lot because really what it does is it locks down a position for the long-term, like the long-term point guard position for the Cavs, like it or not is still up for grabs. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and if he looks as good as we want him to look, then that's a position you have locked down. So you go, okay, well, we know we have our lead guard. Okay, we know we probably have our 3 and D wing of the future. Okay, we've got either 
uh, our incendiary starter in Colin Sexton, or if you're a bit more pessimistic, at the, at the least a high volume scoring six man that plays 32, 35 minutes a game. Yeah. And the roster starts to make sense. Like we talked last show about, or I actually, it might've been on the draft podcast where we talked about that. It's now time for the Cavs to start making sense. It's time for them to start turning into a team of assets, into a team that works together to actually win basketball games and defining these positions in your rotation and in your core is the first step to doing that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think, like, I, I don't think Colin Sexton's going to take a step back this year. Like, to me, it's very hard to imagine that that's even a possibility, just given the way that he works. Uh, just everything you hear and know about Colin Sexton is, hey, this guy has an upwards trajectory. We're, we're on the path to find out exactly how high that ceiling is, but you, you know he, he's going to continue in that direction. If Garland is legitimate, I, I don't see... I, I think it's going to be very tough for them to break up that backcourt. And uh, especially if the what you're hearing about Garland competing on the defensive end uh, is accurate, which I think we, we agree he was a, a pretty fine positional defender. He was just like, he weighed absolutely nothing. And that route tends to be a bit of an issue when you're playing probably the most loaded position in the league. Um, short. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Six one, six two, six five wingspan. I, I, they got length, man. Six five and six Come eight on. wingspan. He's, he's a small guard. It's okay. It's no, okay, Justin. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to concede that just yet. But you know what? That's that's fair. Whatever. Anyways, I, I think if both of them are playing well, it's going to be tough to kind of break them up, and you're going to have to figure out ways. Okay, let's say you are not able to make up what they give up defensively through their own internal growth there's going to be enough talent there that you're going to have to find ways to play them. Like, I I just think that that's going to be the reality for this team. As long as these two are on the roster, would you say what Garland uh, looks like is the most important thing to keep an eye on through training camp and preseason? Cause I, I feel like if we're going to learn about Sexton making a leap, it's going to be something that happens in the regular season. Like we're, we're going to need to find out how he does against high level competition, off ball awareness on defense and, and things that really only matter when teams are at full strength. Would you, would you say Garland looking different physically is the most important thing or do you have something else in mind? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think the only other story that, so, so the, we kind of decided to go into this episode talking about expectations for training camp. Yes. I think that's the most likely paradigm shift in kind of development that we could imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's really the, that Garland taking a big leap is the most conceivable big, big jump that could happen at camp. So yeah, I'm with you on this. I, I think there are a lot of other things worth watching, but nothing could be quite so game changing as, Oh, Darius Garland looks like the, you know, the best young player on this team, because right now he's probably at best third. Yeah. Well, I, I, when we did our confidence rankings, I, I was a bit of a hot take, but I I said, I have Sexton one Garland two, right? Like I, I have more confidence in Darius Garland. And this was before uh, KPJ, off-court issues became public and raised new doubts and kind of concerns. And I, I think the, obviously the team's going to be working with them through the, that stuff, but 
he's not going to be someone that's going to be handed something, right? Like he's going to have to come out and actually earn that. I, I think that's the environment that the Cats are trying to build. I, I think uh, with Garland, like I, I just have more confidence, especially going into this year, that he's going to be an impact player versus KPJ. I still think KPJ probably has the highest ceiling, just given the, the raw physical gifts that he has. But that's something that's going to take time to cultivate. Um, the other thing that I'm really keeping an eye on, and we, we heard a little bit of that in what well, I guess we can call today media day. <laughs> uh, I know it's not really media day if the media can't be there. Um, but without Tristan Thompson here, this is kind of Larry Nance's team when it comes to leadership in the locker room, right? Like, and JB Bickerstaff spoke towards that saying that Larry is really kind of stepping up in that role and he's, he's going to be a coach on the floor and, and a mentor to these guys. I'm, I'm really interested. That's, that's one of the storylines I'd like to hear more out of because one of the biggest mistakes of the last Cavs rebuild after the decision was they didn't have adults in the room. And it seems like Larry's probably as good of an adult as you can have, given the situation, the city, and all the other connections that he has. Yeah, I mean, I think to an outsider, you would probably imagine this voice would be Kevin Love or Andre Drummond, but probably Kevin Love. But I think we just kind of learned this, not him. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there were the well-publicized complaints on the court last year <laughs> i think is a nice way to put it but even even when he's bought in i just don't think love is a big rah 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 big talking vocal leader i mean that was always tristan's role before that it was lebron's role i just don't think that's who he is mm-hmm. so nance makes a lot of sense drummond clearly frankly <laughs> yeah. seems like he has a foot out the door Hey, he said At he said best. all the right things at media day. I'm, well, did you know, Justin, it, was all, it was always his plan to return. So, <laughs> you know, in the sense that he would honor his contract. Yes, it was always his plan to return. So I I, I think Larry makes a lot of sense there. I think it, if he is able to help lead a positive culture and kind of be that bridge to the front office, and I do think that's a two-way street, by the way, I think if front office is going to ask Larry to kind of be their leader on the court is, you know, they got to make sure that they're putting, you know, they're putting together a winning product and that they are helping build the culture on their end. You know, it's, it's gotta be a very joint effort. You know, you, you look at the great teams, there's always a great link between the front office and, and it's in the team's leaders. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's really what I'm hoping to see is that Larry is empowered to be the leader of this team and, because I honestly, I don't know who else it is. I, I think Sexton's still too young. I think Garland's obviously too young. And yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a younger and younger team by the moment. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's pretty much got to be Larry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one aspect of this that hasn't really been discussed, because I, I think the, like the specter of COVID is over this whole season, right? Like we don't know what it's going to be. And I'm, I'm adopting the same approach to it as I do with the Cavs team building. Like I, I know a lot of people like the doom post and uh, worry that every, the worst case scenario is going to come to fruition at all times. I'm, I'm going to give people the, the time and space to try to figure this out. And if it fails, then we'll have the discussion at that time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about it, but I, I think for a young team to have their veteran leader be a guy that is at risk with this virus an additional risk 
it's going to be a different level of accountability, right? Like Larry's going to be there saying, Hey guys, we have to make sure we're actually following all the protocols. We're doing everything right. And that's something that whether it's building good habits in practice or practicing safe habits, when it comes to mitigating your risk during a pandemic, I think it's really important to have that voice in a locker room because otherwise young teams do stupid things, right? Like it's, it's part of the process. And I, I think having someone like that in the locker room is probably going to end up being an advantage to them. For sure. And, you know, it seems like Larry is someone who wants to embrace that role. He has been a really, really great asset for this team as they've gone through this renaissance that they've been on for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately he, he is the leader for this team. So I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing kind of how these interpersonal dynamics play out. I think the these teams have actually been pretty likable uh, the last couple of years, even when the product's been bad. Like yep. there, are, there are guys you root for, but as we lose more and more championship DNA from that 2016 team, you know, we've lost Tristan. Thank God Deli and Love are still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like as we lose that, like until this team is – able to build a winning culture we have to find things and people to root for and it's harder hard to find one that's better than larry nance yeah exactly the the locker room has been reshaped for the Cavs, and they're not alone there i mean 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses all around the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches your job criteria that you could contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do 73 percent of online job seekers in the u.s are visiting indeed each month according to comscore total visits so it's clear indeed can help you get the quality hire you need that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use indeed for hiring Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Carter. You got through that read with aplomb, Justin. Football is back in full swing. Well, maybe not full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day or day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Justin. There were I, words. There were words. I thought I was done sentences and <laughs> the sentences were not done. It's a long read, man. <laughs> big, big shouts to our dear friends at Indeed, but it's a long, that's a long read. Yeah. Good, good for you for getting through it. Justin, one thing 
that I kind of want to see, you know, we were talking about, you know, expectations for camp and maybe hopes and dreams for what comes out of camp. Wouldn't it be fun, Justin, if someone came out of the blue and won a starting job that we weren't expecting? I would say, I mean, that would be fun. Um, it's, that's well, it a depends loaded, on who wins it, I guess. But. I was about to say, that's kind of a loaded question because, like, let's look at it this way. If Larry Nance beat out Kevin Love, that's not going to be great for his trade value. If somebody beat out Colin Sexton, that's not going to reflect well on how he developed over the summer. Same goes for Darius Garland. I think what we're really referring to is that small forward spot. Because Sure, if, yeah. Yeah, because either KPJ um, rises to the occasion and, and takes that spot away, I think Jetty Osmond right now should be the favorite. Uh, just given I think the he short... should be the incumbent. The com- yeah. incumbent should be the favorite. G- given the the short turnaround time, not a, a whole lot of training camp and preseason, no summer league for Isaac Okoro. But if Okoro came in and it's just like, okay, this guy flat out, he, he hasn't learned everything, but he just competes at another level. Uh, his defensive intensity is already at a level higher than what Jetty Osmond brings to the table. And we just got to find a way to make this guy play like we, we got to get him in the lineup that is by far one of the most fun outcomes to that are is possible in preseason right like it's i feel like the drafting of okoro has kind of made dylan windler the forgotten man mm-hmm. a, a guy who we were very excited about seeing i think there's a non-zero chance that good dude goes out and wins the job I, I, th- I think, I think if he right. goes and wins the job, that means we should be very, very excited for his, what kind of player he's going to be for this team. I think a big reason why it's possible is because JB Bickerstaff is the coach. And like, I don't know if you listened to uh, Chris Fedor's uh, Wine and Gold Talk podcast where he was talking about the visit that Okoro had uh, with Kobe Altman and JB Bickerstaff. But uh, after they were done their dinner with him, uh, Kobe said that, um jb was just going on and on about all the different sets he could use on offense and defense and different ways that he can use them off ball he's like okay i get the point he <laughs> i get the point you, you really like this guy and having him be kind of a bit of a glue guy like i think he's more able to make the transition to heavy minutes within a rotation compared to other starters because he's not going to be asked to initiate as much of the offense he's somebody that plays off ball his primary skill set is on the defensive end which i think translates a little easier to the nba it's not like someone like Lamelo ball who's obviously going to be getting the job but there's going to be growing pains because he has so much responsibility as a ball handler and someone that initiates the offense hell colin sexton is a great example of that I, I think that there is a very, like, it's almost like a, a niche role in this roster when you have two former All-NBA players in Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. You got your two guards that now have their their feet wet and are ready to take another step in the NBA in the Sexland backcourt. You just kind of need a guy in there at the, the three spot, and I think Okoro can be that. 100%. This is a team in search of people ready to do the little things and <laughs> able to do the little things and able to make everyone's life easier without commanding too much attention uh, in terms of ball dominance, you know, that, that if there's a downside to the Garland Sexton combo, both these just need the rock. And I think you could very much 
say the same. Kevin Love helps as a spacer, but while he's on the floor, you're going to feature him on offense. And Drummond certainly uh, likes to ball handle the ball as well. So <laughs> like just having someone who makes everyone's life easier, like isn't a nominal spacer, but is an actual spacer. It just kind of makes a lot of sense to me. And I just wouldn't rule it out. And all this to say, he doesn't win the job. He didn't win the job. You know, I, I do think that this should be considered an open competition. And if he is going to, if Windler ends up the starter, it's because he earned it and looked really, really good in camp. So yeah, that's kind of what I want to see. What else, what else from camp are you kind of hoping to, that transpires? Like what, what are you looking for? Well, one, I'm hoping Dylan Windler can make it through healthy. Uh, that that's a big hope of mine. Sure, sure, that would be that. That I guess that's step one, right? Them suiting up in an NBA game. Yeah, I I mean, I got into it uh, on Twitter the other day because I, I was saying that um, Colin Sexton at this point has been better than Michael Porter Jr. and like Michael Porter Jr. hasn't proven he can play 30 minutes a night without falling apart. That's kind of an important part of this whole conversation. I understand the upside, but like, I think you knew you were sometimes Justin, I think you have a little self-flagellation in you and you (laughs) say things knowing that everyone's going to yell at you. And it's not always. And sometimes you do it to get a rise out of people. And sometimes I think you like getting yelled at. (laughs) having a fight i think you miss fighting on twitter yeah i think what it is is i I don't get to see my uh, family as much as i i normally do with covid um so fights out elsewhere yeah i'm trying to replicate that elsewhere um no that that was that was me fact checking somebody because they they just listed a whole bunch of inaccurate uh, things about the calves. And, and that was one of the things I, I looped in without even thinking, but it, overall, I think your point stands, but yeah, seeing Dylan Windler healthy would be really nice. Um, it, it's something we haven't seen yet. I, I honestly don't, I feel like just kind of reading the tea leaves and reading the room when we're talking to people in the discord or on Twitter, I almost feel like Okoro is kind of becoming a little bit of KPJ insurance more than Windler. Cause I think Windler has always found money, but especially with the issues that KPJ has had there, there's a little bit more doubt about someone that we really felt good at about uh, playing on the wing. And I think Okoro kind of fills that a little bit more. I'm certainly not writing KPJ off. The cast do seem to have belief in him as a, a person and obviously as a player. Um, I, I think getting back into the structure is really going to help him out. And, and I, I'm rooting for him to to kind of get on better footing. But to me, Windler and Okoro, I don't really see a whole lot of correlation because I, I think if Windler works out, you can just find spots to play him. Like you can play him at the two you, you as, as a backup two. there's a whole lot of different ways that you can deploy a guy that can just shoot, right? Like yep. he, he can get his shot off against anybody. It's not just catch and shoot. This is a guy that can create space has a high release point. He's left-handed. Uh, he's got all that stuff. Like he can bring that to the table and he's exciting, but uh, I, I just don't see a ton of overlap in the expected roles between those two guys. Which is why everyone likes wings, right? <laughs> like yeah. wings, big, big wings that uh, are switchy and can play multiple positions and do a lot of different, have a lot of different skills that they can slot into makes for a flexible roster. This is where the Cavs have perhaps been the worst in the NBA the last two years, mm-hmm. where I, it's I been Jetty, who is not actually all that positionally versatile because he's so top heavy and 
week. Uh, and, you know, I think that ultimately, like, that's what they haven't had. And if they, if at least one of those two guys hits, then all of a sudden it just gets a lot easier because you're not making as many concessions with your roster to get, to get your best players on the floor. Like, like it or not, Justin, I know that you've got dreams of them defending like Van Vliet and Lowry someday, but Saxland makes you make concessions. Yeah. Isaac Okoro and Dylan Windler likely do not make you make the same, same level of concessions on either side of the ball. So yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how that, that forward glut plays out because I feel like the three guards are honestly going to split those 96 minutes pretty evenly. I'm sure Dally will get a minute, a few minutes here or there, maybe ask him a few minutes here or there, but well, when all three are healthy, I think they're going to eat up a lot of those minutes, the one and two, which doesn't leave that much for the Jetty, Okoro, Windler grouping. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, and, and this was something that the Cavs had identified that they wanted to try out last year and didn't really get the opportunity with COVID. Um, but KPJ initiating offense, I, I think him coming off the bench part of the reason why that makes a lot of sense is he's going to get more opportunities there. And I'm, I'm really hoping that somebody beats out Jetty in the starting lineup, not because I don't think Jetty can be a useful rotation player. I'd like to see him in a role that's suited for his talents. Like if he's the, the ninth man off the bench, I think all of a sudden kind of the, the supplemental skill sets he has uh, ability to move uh, pass, like the, the stuff that he doesn't do at a very high level, but can do. I think that is more useful in a second unit lineup, um, especially if you're talking about, let's say it is KPJ, Windler, Jetty, Larry Nance, and JaVale McGee. Like that's a that's a fun lineup that's very active, that can do a lot of things. It has length. Um, I, I, I want to see Jetty in that role because I, I think he's been miscast, not by the Cavs because they're paying him like this. He's been miscast in the minds of fans because especially in year one, the only two young players worth caring about was Colin Sexton and Jetty Osman. And that just kind of put unrealistic expectations on Jetty. We had fun I think with he's it. He's been miscast by his circumstances, you know, like, right. he's, like I think he's a perfectly useful player. And I do think to your point, when you move him into a bench role, the strength becomes less of a problem. The so defense becomes less of a problem. And, you know, you remember that his rookie year, we were sitting there projecting like, Oh, this guy might be a good defender he's got he can create deflections he's very active off the ball he can be a little energizer bunny for this team and it's like oh by the way you have to start and replace lebron in the lineup like it's, yeah. no, not only that in a no-win spot not not only that you are now our primary perimeter stopper and you have to go defend lebron like you you might be able to defend some rotation players and actually contribute on the defensive end. But if your primary assignment is somebody that's just in a totally different weight class than you, you're going to look like Nate Robinson. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm totally with you. <laughs> Nate Robinson. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, it, I, I really would like to see Jetty come off the bench. You know, I think that we might not get our wish off the rip. And I do think that, not to be crass here, but if it protects Okoro and Windler to bring them off the bench early, yes, I'd rather keep Jetty out there. You know, I don't want to start either of those guys when they haven't earned it. If Jetty is better than them, which he very well might be, like people forget the NBA is hard. It's hard for rookies to be good at basketball. My favorite stat to non-NBA fans is that the Pelicans defense was better with Anthony Davis on the bench his rookie year 
<laughs> and Jason Smith was his backup. <laughs> so like, I think and, that- And here's the other thing. Like if Okoro's playing 24 minutes a night, it doesn't really matter if he's starting or coming off the bench. Like it's, it's no. the same thing I say with KPJ. Like as long as he's getting the right amount of minutes, I'm not going to stress over what role it is. Like it's the only difference is really whether or not your name's being called out uh, at the start of game. So I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I, I definitely want to see Okoro in the mix. One funny thing, like just looking at, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see the uh, we're back video that the Cavs put out. Okoro's got the biggest man body on this team. Like he is cut at a level that no, none of the, the actual adults are cut at that level. Like it is just absurd how strong that guy is. Big ass frame. I mean, that's a, you know, you look at a guy like Jetty and you go, yeah, that guy's never going to be strong. Like he might get wiry strong. He might get competitive, but he's never going to be able to just like bang with yeah. the strongest wings in the league. And I feel like this is actually a very noteworthy thing because there's been a lot of physicality from the league's wings recently. Like it's not this, you know, perimeter based game, like Kawhi bangs, even guys like TJ Warren, who you don't think about as like an elite wing, but a great score. Like that guy is a really physical player on, on offense and having someone who can take a hit and not get knocked six feet back, which the Cavs have not had on their roster except Larry Nance who they played at center for the past two years. Like that is a meaningful, that's a meaningful thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the Cavs are much better equipped to match up. Even if his team defense is subpar to start, which it likely will be, that's how it goes for rookies. I think the individual defense and the ability to kind of uh, handle the physical aspect of the game will be really, really good for the Cavs. I mean, I, I actually, when they traded Alfonso McKinney to, facilitate the Marcus all signing for a second round pick. I thought, man, Alf was probably the best wing defender we had physically. Yeah. Like he was b- best suited for the job and having someone like Okoro that uh, can conceivably be a lead at it. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, we've been begging the Cavs to add some defensive talent for mm-hmm. a long time and they finally did. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this off season is, we might be wrong on this, but this is a lot of what we've been begging the Cavs to do, period, right? Like, we were, have been begging for a patient approach. Let's figure it out with the young guys. And next offseason is when you can take stock of what you have and start to go all in in another way. And I I think what we're discussing right now is the right way to approach this as well. Because I, I, I listened to other previews and everyone's kind of talking, focusing on the win-loss total. And to me, that's not really interesting because there's there's so many storylines with the Cavs right now. There's so many young guys to be invested with. Let's say Kevin Love or another one of the veterans either gets hurt or has to miss time uh, due to COVID, whatever the case may be. That's, that's going to lower your, your win total for the year and especially in a reduced season. But what the outlook of this team is moving forward, it doesn't it's not determined by wins and losses this season. It's about whether or not these young guys start to fit together, whether they start to develop winning habits, uh, what level of accountability the Cavs have, if they can turn the culture around. There's so many things beyond the end result. And obviously we want to see them compete. Like my most important thing 
is that they are in games. I don't want games over at halftime. I, I want to see them actually compete because I think they have enough talent to compete. But on paper right now, they're not going to look like an impressive roster because so much of what they're counting on is internal growth. And we have just no way. We have no way to be able to quantify it. It's like it, it, until we actually see what Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr. and all these guys look at like, it's very hard to make an accurate prediction of what this season is going to look like. And you, you can only find out by watching. Yeah. I think that the stat I'm probably more interested in than wins and losses for the Cavs. I'm not quite with you where I go. It's not interesting. It's of course it's interesting, but I think the stat that probably matters more is point differential. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably not going to be better than last year. They lost one of their best players in Tristan Thompson and replaced him with a rookie. And JaVale McKee. I, I, uh, I think it's going to be better than last year, especially maybe. if Drummond's here to the deadline. That, that That's a great point. Andre Drummond is, is as much as Cavs fans don't seem to like him for whatever reason, I think it's a little silly. He, he is uh, a plus basketball player. He is definitely a plus basketball player. And But I think the idea of, like, man, those 30-point losses where it's just over at halftime and there's nothing to glean for the remainder of the game, that's what the Cavs have to fight past because that is what caps your development when you play meaningless basketball you get meaningless development so the more the Cavs can find ways to get good enough to stay in games and get people get their players meaningful reps that allow their young guys to grow and learn and fail like if they had 60 close losses well not maybe not 60 there's only 72 games if they had like 45 to 50 close losses I, I'm probably a happy camper um, yeah. because that, that tells me that they're, that they're growing and developing and ideally the hump will be, will be coming, but blowout lot. Like the point differential is really what, like if, if that's in the negative 10, the negative 12s, that's where I'm going to go. Ah, man, what are, what, what kind of development are we really getting to see? Like you're really going to have to start parsing to try to find any positive momentum. And that's really what I don't want to do. I, 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 I can skew a little Eeyore ish from time mm-hmm. to time. And I would like my, my silver linings to be bright and in front of my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I, I think one really important step for you to get those silver linings in your face is by watching the game. So we'll, we'll need to get you on that track. We need to get that started. Um, but yeah, I, I think you, you make really good points there. We, we want to see growth. We want to see improvement. We, I want to see this team at the end of the season be at a point where I'm excited about them going into an off season with a lot of cap space because I say, hey, this team needs finishing touches. Not not to be a contending team, but to be a playoff team. Hey, let's let's go out there and get the right role players to that that fit well with these guys. Um, I, I mean, there's so much talent out there in the NBA. You need to figure out exactly what your core is and what type of guys fit with it. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I think I'm predicting high 20s for this season. I, I think they're going to get to 27 wins, which in, in a shortened season, I, I think would be impressive. Um, the, the big wild card again is COVID because if you miss, if you get sick and you miss two weeks, that's probably six games, six out of 72. That's tough. Like it's, it's, it's going to mess things up, especially like you look at a team like Atlanta that went all in their margins are probably pretty thin. And we saw what they look like without Trey young. Uh, If he misses two weeks, that could be the difference between making the, 
the eight seed or ha- needing to compete in the play-in tournaments. So there's there's a lot of questions, and I, I think given how weird this year is, I'm kind of glad that this isn't the the offseason where the Cavs went all in to try to make the playoffs. I, I think they're better served doing that next year because there's just too many variables up in the air right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical of that win total. I think that the rest of the East invested a lot of uh, capital in getting better. I don't think the Cavs did, especially their peers near the bottom of the conference. So they're going to need to steal some wins from someone who somewhere that's not expecting to lose them mm-hmm. if they're going to hit that kind of total that you're looking for. I know schedule should be coming out relatively soon. I don't think it's not out, right? No, no. Uh, Mike yeah, Malone said that it was so. going to be released in a matter of hours, and he said that in the early afternoon. So, um, so maybe we're going to miss. Soon. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's coming soon. I don't know. Either that or he's now the, the new Ari Abraham. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think the schedule actually tells a lot. If they're playing a lot of these East Cellar dwellers, then maybe it'll be easier. Uh, but for now, I'm going to kind of remain pretty confident they're going to be a bottom three team in the East. And I am just all right with that with this draft class coming. Yeah, it, good lord, I'm I'm blown away by some of those guys, but I'm I'm not ready to switch into that mode because the prospects I'm most excited about are currently wearing wine and gold. But this is probably a good yeah. place to wrap it up. Um, I'm very very excited. I cannot wait. Preseason is less than a week, or I guess it's a week and a half away at this point. This will be dropping on a Wednesday. We get to watch Cavs basketball for the first time since March. I cannot wait. Carter, it's been a pleasure talking to you again on the podcast. I want to give a shout out to all our listeners. Your support through this awful, awful layoff has meant a lot. And if you want to support us, you can do so by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of our exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com, and we will send you a link. Big shout out to Carter, to our listeners. Stay safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.